welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today, the queen of eBay, Shelly Epperly. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Dean McMurray isn't with us today, but that's all right. We're going to continue on without him and not having his uh, tremendous psychic ability. We'll have to rely on Shelly's. But Shelly, you got your tarot <laughs> card, so we're, we're covered. I think we're okay. Yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually gives us a starting point for a conversation today because uh, it was an idea you came up with uh, during the pre-show and I thought it was a really good one. It's one. It's a topic we really haven't addressed in a long time here on this show. So I think it's you know, long overdue to talk about it. But uh, you brought up the question or the concept, I should say, of destiny. I kind of contrasted it with free will. There are a couple of ways you can contrast it, I guess. But uh, th- that's been a question that philosophy majors have debated for decades, perhaps mm-hmm. even centuries. Um, and it certainly gets its own kind of... Uh, uh, I don't want to call it a debate, but it, it, it gets its own coverage, shall we say, within spiritual circles, because there are many people who believe pretty strongly that uh, destiny drives who we are and what we do. And uh, it's, it's really just all about uh, going with the flow of whatever's been pre-created for us. So that sounds like a good topic. I think it's about time we readdress it. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm reading Louise Hay's um, "You Can Heal Your Life" book. Oh yeah, and she just talks about how you how you pick your parents, and because you need to come into this life for a certain reason to learn certain things, and so I was just like, okay, well that's destiny, but then there's the law of attraction where it's like, okay, I want a better job or a relationship or you know more money or more things or whatever it is that you're attracting and that seems more like um like free will okay well there's i think i could also throw another factor in that's the factor of desire right because you know it, it, regardless of whether we are desiring before we got here or after we got here it's Desire is desire. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it's a whole lot different than the non-physical. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's my my take on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not having been consciously aware of non-physical uh, as my day-to-day routine, although there is no day-to-day because there's no time. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, it's a little confusing talking about the topic sometimes. You know, we have to keep the mm-hmm. concept straight, but that's okay. But yeah. Um, I mean, I'm personally, I've never really bought into the idea of destiny, although I've heard some interesting takes on it. Um, I kind of get the impression that the the free willers are are ahead in the fourth quarter and the destiny people are trying to catch up by modifying the concept to make it fit what the free willers like. I'm not really sure, but that's my sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't know. Well, I guess maybe we need to start off with what is destiny? What does that exactly mean? Is that like your life is fixed permanently? What does that mean? I think that that is kind of what it is. It's like um, you came here for a certain thing. Um, Like what a quote of a book that I've read is there's the two most important days of your life are the days is, is the day you were born and the day you figured out why you were born. And so I think that to some extent, that's why I said I'm just like, you know, the chicken or the egg kind of a thing, because it's like, I know that there's reasons that I'm here for, you know, certain people. And then I look at like, 
you know, my dad passed away when I was a kid and I feel like that was necessary for me to be who I am now. Okay. And so not that I didn't love him and he wasn't a good dad, but it was just like looking back, if I would have had a dad that was like trying to, my mom gave me a ton of freedom and I really needed that. And if I wouldn't, if I would have had another parent trying to like hold me back or, you know, giving me a lot of rules, I probably would have rebelled pretty hard on that. So, mm-hmm. so I look at that and I think, okay, was that, was that something that, you know, that whole, Oh, that was meant to be, or everything happens for a reason kind of a thing. Like, is that destiny or at some point, did our souls have an agreement that it was just going to be for a short time? You know what I mean? Okay. I think I understand what you're saying. Um, I actually had a funny line to throw in, but I don't, I don't remember what it was. So I'll skip that. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, but we also, we have uh, somebody in the live stream adding an interesting comment to kind of uh, accentuate. She says, why would one pick abusive parents? Oh, I have the answer for that. Oh, you do? Okay. Yes. Oh, I know I know what my funny line was. I, of course, calling it a funny line ruins it. But nevertheless, what I was going to say is, you know, if, if what we have, the, the two of the most exciting days are the days where we're born and the days where we find out why we're here. I have a great day coming up because I haven't figured out why I'm here yet. So, I mean, that's going to be pretty exciting when that happens. <laughs> oh, I think that people that know you would would say different, though. Oh, Okay. You know what I mean? Like you're doing this. This is a huge influence on a lot of people. Well, I found something that I enjoy for sure. I mean, yeah. I love doing this. Is this why I came here? I don't know. Maybe. That's part of it because you're doing it. Okay. I mean. So maybe so it's the, not so exciting a day. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any exciting days coming up. Walter. No, they're all they're, 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 it's all behind me. It's all downhill here. Manage those gardeners and do these podcasts. You'll be fine. <laughs> oh, God. Is that the rest of my life? Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> um, so the whole abusive parent thing mm-hmm. is um, the example that I have. I was not raised by abusive parents. I was raised knowing that I was loved. And, you know, I mean, my parents had their issues, obviously. My father passed away, and he took his own life, and my mom had her issues. But, um I never felt, you know, even through like my mom had some kind of messed up relationships and she always put us kids first, which I think made a huge difference in our lives because we always knew that, you know, we were the priority in her life. But my husband was raised by a very abusive mom mm, who was wow. phys- who was physically, mentally, emotionally abusive with him. I mean, not Ooh. not horribly but he can i mean he can recall it like three or four knowing that he shouldn't tell his dad because he had to spend the next day with his mom kind of a thing Mm. like being able to reason that you know yeah yeah which really sucks and i hate that for him but he took that and turned it around and he he's he told his mom he loved her a couple times and she never returned it Mm -hmm. and he turned that around and his kids without a doubt know how loved they are okay well that's and he and he has his issues with parenting as we all do none of us are (laughs) perfect but but like he's there for them all the time he's Mm -hmm. there for every event for every milestone for like and his mom was never there so why would you one pick abusive parents to come here and turn that around 
Yeah, I can kind of imagine David Strickle, the stream, David, uh, being on the show in the guise of channeling the stream and the stream basically saying we came here to experience the contrast. Right. For myself, that sounds like pretty severe contrast. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I never really understood that entirely. I mean, I, I get the theory behind it that many people have put forward, including the streams theory. But I, my, my position's always been, do you really have to experience deep, deep, dark, dark contrast in order to experience contrast? I mean, I, I guess we could kind of presume there are some people who do just because I look at the people who are into extreme sports, for instance. Now, that's not abusive, but it's basically putting yourself out on the edge and right. liver, liver, living or dying out on the edge. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're adrenaline junkies. They just, you know, they live for that. Um, I, I, I would you know, run as far and as fast in the opposite direction as I possibly could, but that's not them. They right. actually want that. So I can certainly conceive of people wanting to select it. Um, I just don't share their values, so I don't know why they would. <laughs> yeah, I just think that it's like, like that, one of my things that I say a lot is it's all about the experiences. Like I have a friend who right now is going through some cancer treatment and she's just like, you know, even though it's scary, she's going through radiation, she's having all this anxiety about it and stuff. She's still just like, me and my husband get to spend all this time together because we have to travel for my treatments. Um, you know, she's got her friend set up a GoFundMe. She's getting so much financial support from friends and family. She's, you know, the town that they go to, there's all kinds of stuff to see and they stay in this, you know, home set up, but they get their own private. It's just like, you know, you can take, it's how you react to the contrast, you know, and as a child, you don't really have a choice for a while. But if you can take that and turn it around, I just think that that's amazing. And I just, I don't know. I just think that we're all here to teach and learn from each other. And you're going to teach some people and you're going to learn from other people. And that contrast, for some, that's all they know. Okay. They just, they just live, you know, I, we all know people who just live in a state of negativity all the time. And I think that for me, I look sure at that. I'm not sure how much they're into contrast at that point. Contrast means that you're experiencing both ends. People who are living in constant negativity, they're basically stuck in one end. Right. But for me, con- I always, I always equate contrast with like negativity. Like contrast is the opposite. For me, it's the opposite of love and, and, and good. Okay. Yeah. I I think it's important to recognize that contrast actually is both the the, both stuff we like and the stuff we don't like. I I try to avoid positive and negative just Mm. because there are there are moralistic uh, tones associated with that that I think kind of mess the whole thing up. I mean, yeah, you're you're right. It's like black and white is contrast. Yeah. Whether you're in the light or in the dark. It's still contrast. Right. Um, it, if you had black without white, you wouldn't have gray. It just wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it'd just be everything would be black, which is kind of tough to see anything. But um, if you have a background of some sort of severe abuse, well, Kelly, Kelly actually uh, put in a little comment. I threw it up on the screen. Mm-hmm. My, my mom married me off when I was 15. I mean, there's got to be a whole story behind that. Um, so it, it's interesting to me, Kelly, that you raised the question, why would one pick abusive parents? I have a suspicion a sneaking suspicion, you have some kind of an answer for that. 
that you've developed over time? I mean, I understand why you would raise the question because it's probably something that's kind of, I would guess it's kind of haunted you. But I, I suspect you also have some idea of your own of how you would answer that. So, I mean, if you're so inclined, put into the chat, you know, how, how you have come to understand it, what you've come to um, take a meaning from it. Because ultimately, I think that's really what life really is. Life is where we get to make our own choices about what it is we want to make our own choices about, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And mm-hmm. we, we, we can create on the fly. We can you know, set our intention in advance. We can set our intention in, in advance and then change our minds halfway through. I mean, I, I really am a believer in free will, and I believe that free will never ends. I think mm-hmm. that I think there's some... Um, there is some reason and, and it kind of resonates in some ways that people would make, uh, you know, what do they call them? Soul contracts about, you know, what they're going to do before they come into this life and how they plan for it to go. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that, but I think there's also something to be said for the idea that once you get here, you aren't locked in. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that's law of attraction, right? We know whatever you focus your attention on predominantly strongly with build that high vibration, you're going to get it. I don't care what your, your soul contract says. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think, I, I guess I'm saying, I think they can both be true. I don't think they necessarily want. No, I, that's, that's kind of how I feel too. Like, yeah. I think that there, there definitely is both, um, happening. You know, yeah. I have, Oh, what did she say? Humor Kelly says humor and staying positive with cancer Ooh, is how I make it. Yeah. Well, humor and staying positive. Definitely. Very, mm-hmm. very no doubt about that. Yep. She also threw up a comment earlier that said uh, my, my kids and grandkids, you know, I love them. So yeah, kind of illustrating the point that you made that yeah. comes from that background has a so much appreciation. They want to make it a, a point. You know, they want to make sure. Mm-hmm. Make sure the kids know. And I mean, sure grandkids know. I mean, and I might get some flack for saying this. I've never been through it, but even cancer is an experience. Mm-hmm. And you can take that and do what you want with it. You can you can let it devastate you and and defeat you, or you can turn it into something positive. And and you know, even even if you end up being on your way out you can still be a totally positive, wonderful influence for people in your life and stay happy through that experience. Yeah. I mean, not everything's going to be happy, but, you know. I think these things also is opportunities. Right. Um, I mean, not that I'm asking uh, for cancer in my life, so maybe I'd better be a little careful about how I phrase things. But, um Anything that comes along that is you know, the lower end of the contrast scale, you know, the, the part that we don't really want a whole lot, every one of them is an opportunity. Um, I'll, I'll go back to a story that I've been telling a lot lately, a few years back when I injured my knees and ended up using conscious creation to heal them in a time that were far, uh, was far shorter than what medical science said you could do. And I, to me, that was a challenge. Like, well, first of all, they hurt a lot. But it wasn't like I was, you know, I wasn't at death's door. It wasn't something like that. But right. it was chronic pain, and chronic pain is a, is a is a big challenge. And I figured after the fact, not so much during it, but after the fact, I figured that that was pretty cool that I went through that, not in the sense that I went through it, but in the sense that I got stronger as a result of it. Mm-hmm. I learned, I, I, I exercised a muscle that probably would not have exercised as much if I hadn't gone through that 
that mm-hmm. experience. So I think that's where the the advantage of going through contrast is. And let's be honest, I mean, this is another thing that's come up a lot in the show. There are a lot of stories from a lot of people who've gone through some really rough times where they have soared higher than most of humanity because mm-hmm. of the springboard that came from that really deep, dark contrast that they were in. So that's another reason to say, well, I, I can at least understand why somebody would want to go into the deep, dark contrast. Personally, I don't really need to fly that high, but that's okay. You know, some people I- yeah, I've I've gotten to the point because I call it bouncing back when you when something happens that's that's not so great. Mm-hmm. And that like practicing the law of attraction, I always say using the law of attraction to your advantage because you're always using the law of attraction because people are like, how do you use the law of attraction? You're using it all the time. But how do you use it to your advantage is the key. And so. I call, I just refer to it as the bounce back because people are looking for like this ultimate life bliss. Like nothing's, I'm going to get so good at this that nothing is ever going to go wrong. It's just going to be so wonderful. And I remember thinking that in the beginning of my relationship with my husband, like, when is this just going to be good all the time? <laughs> like, oh, that's not quite how this works. And that's, that's what, you know, the whole soulmate and twin flame thing. People are like, I haven't found my soulmate. Your soulmate is going to challenge you. That's what it's about, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I've gotten to the point where when I have those lows or a bad day or a bad minute or a, or bad news, I look at, like you said, it's like I, I have my immediate reaction, that knee-jerk reaction of reacting to it instead of responding to it. And then I go, okay, wait a minute. Like, this is an opportunity. Like you said, this is an opportunity to either look at myself, look at myself, how I'm going to treat this situation, how I'm going to treat this other person, you know, how I'm going to change, what am what am I going to do to make this better? And that is using the law of attraction to your advantage is getting mm. back into a better emotion mm-hmm. every minute of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kelly provided some more details. She says her mom passed away in August, 2020 and she knew that she was, or that Kelly knew that she was mentally ill and Kelly told her aunt that it was like childbirth, that all the pain she lived through all went away when her mother passed, oh. which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting experience that she went through. Obviously, it was painful and, and a huge challenge to go through it. But interesting metaphor there, like going through childbirth. It kind of raises the question, you know, what's the child that came out of it? What's What what was born? Something was mm-hmm. born. What was born? Some, something delicious. It was, prob- something delightful. It, was, it was probably her without the influence of her mom anymore. Okay. I mean, our moms, our moms, most of us are primarily raised by moms and especially in those early years. And that's a huge influence. And if you have a mom Mm -hmm. that's mentally ill and, you know, or lashing out at you. I didn't have a mom who was mentally ill or lashing out at me. I I, I had a mom who was, I mean, she, she was supportive. Don't get me wrong. She was supportive and like yours, she she wanted to encourage freedom, probably not as much as yours did, but she wanted to encourage it. But my mom had a very interesting trait that took me years to figure out. 
because I, I didn't know what it was. I, I could describe some of the characteristics to you, but I couldn't label it for a long, long time. What she had was the ability to avoid being labeled, to avoid being pigeonholed. She didn't ever want to be pinned down on anything, which is, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like walking with a blindfold trying to find something and you, and, and what you experience is that you're in an empty room with no features. So you're constantly reaching out and there's nothing there. Interesting. Yeah. And it, it's, it's disconcerting. Um, especially I was the eldest. So it's especially disconcerting when, you, when you're the eldest because, you know, the eldest always gets the most experiments. So <laughs> lucky us, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it gets confusing, you know, it, especially if, you know, in later years you're sitting in front of a therapist and the therapist trying to, you know, dig out whatever your, your deep, dark secrets were in the past. And you say, I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't answer the question. I can't pin my mom down on anything. I can't, I can't point to any particular thing. You know, if, if you tried to, to pin her down on something, she'd always find a way to, basically squeak, squeak out of it to just kind of, you know, slip away from whatever it was. But it also meant that she didn't commit to much of anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was committed to my dad in terms of their marriage and she was committed to helping us grow up, but that was about it for her own life. She was constantly trying to fix everybody else's problems. Interesting. It was confusing is what it was. Mm-hmm. It was very confusing. But it's like to me, cause I just, I automatically want to just go to like how she was raised and what created, like, that's my analytical brain. I just always want to like know what happened. (laughs) I I know something about how she was raised um, just because I, I did know my, my grandfather and my grandmother and they were, they were ill suited for each other. They weren't bad people. They just, she was a very intellectual person. She, She was one of the very first women in America to get a master's degree back in like the 1940s or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was well in advance of her time and felt it and knew it. She felt held back by that. Whereas my grandfather was more of a blue collar type Mm -hmm. and it just didn't work very well. (laughs) I mean, they weren't, they didn't hate each other or anything like that, but it, it, it was a, relationship of convenience more than it was a relationship of love, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of laid the groundwork for my mom and my two uncles of one where I don't even know how to describe it. It was kind of like having a home, but being lost at sea at the same time. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like there's a home, it, it's got all of the structures of home, but a lot of the substance is just twisted. It doesn't really match up. It, it's certainly not, you know, father knows best. <laughs> it's, it's far from that. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, it's not like she was abused or anything like that. As far as I know, um, just it didn't sit uh, here. This is a good way to describe what happened with, with my mom later on in life. After my dad passed, my dad was um, just shy of 11 years older than my mom and they both passed at age 89. So my mom had 11 years. Um, on her own. And during that time, um, she had a couple of things go on, but, but the one thing that really came out that became very apparent to me was she didn't know what she liked. 
or more precisely, she didn't know what she loved other than family. She could say she could name family as you know, individual family members as people that she loved, but it was more intellectual. In other words, yeah. if you ask her, "What do you feel about something?" that would stump her. She couldn't tell you what she felt about something, especially if it was something aesthetic. Mm-hmm. If there was a, like something that you would have either an aesthetic preference for or a preference against, she didn't know what to do with that question, which was really interesting. It was odd. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know what to do with her answer or, or her lack of answer. It almost sounds like Asperger's or something a little bit. A little bit, yeah, except she didn't yeah. really display any other Asperger's symptoms, symptoms that yeah. I knew of. Interesting. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it was just one more example of how it was all very ethereal. There was nothing you could just hang on to. Mm-hmm. It was all just kind of airy fairy, which kind of makes sense. I had a, a lot of attraction circles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kelly threw, threw up a couple of interesting, interesting things here. First, she says, I remember one day my mom started getting so stressed because she wasn't home to start dinner for her husband. Hmm, yeah. And then she says, after she passed, she had, um, Kelly had a dream. She was 10 years old. And she saw her mom stop at the age of 10 when her mom passed. That's interesting. Hmm. I don't even know where to begin on that one. That's something, Kelly, you, again, you'd have to tell us what does that mean from your perspective. I wouldn't even presume. It kind of sounds like she stopped maturing at 10. Like that's as far as she got it, or something. It seems to hint at that. Yeah. But I wouldn't even want to say that much because mm-hmm. I don't know that we have enough information to even conclude that. That's mm-hmm. why I think Kelly's the one who actually has to conclude one way. Right. Right. Just, yeah. But it just goes to show though, it is, I, I think we, we have gotten to a point in this culture where we're very attuned to abuses, particularly familial abuses. It's become more and more accepted that that is part of the norm. That's something that a lot of people go through. Now, though, we're finally going to get to the point where we realize that it isn't so cut and dried. It isn't so black and white that there are degrees of, call it abuse. Abuse might be a little bit strong. There are degrees of dysfunctionality. That might be the better way to say it. Yeah. And that everybody has different kinds of experiences of that. And it's going to have different impacts on every one of us. So going back to the original question that Kelly raised, why would you be selecting being raised by abusive parents? I could counter by saying, why would you select any particular pair of parents? Because almost all have some level of dysfunctionality going on in some sense, either in themselves or in their parents, or, you know, there's maybe there's some sort of a family thing going on there. There's almost always something going on there. So how do we make our decisions? And I don't know what the answer is on that. I don't know. Maybe we flip a coin. <laughs> Metaphorical. Well, like, so my husband's mom is one of, I want to say eight or nine. There was lots of kids in that family. And it was like one of those things where mom was still having babies when the oldest child was having her first baby. So mm. there's like aunts and uncles that are younger than the niece and nephew or, you know what I mean? And my husband's always said that there was there's like a middle ground because his mom and two of the other siblings are right in the middle and the older kids are all really great 
awesome, were great parents and fun to be around. And then the younger couple kids were really awesome, great people. But there were like these three in the middle. And it's like, what happened mm. in that time frame when those guys, because I, be- I believe the whole, you know, you're in kind of beta mode until you're about five to seven. You're just, um, you're just learning how to behave, like being domesticated as the, the four agreements says. Um, well, well, your personality is also filling out. I mean, you pretty much fill out to who you are by around age seven, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But all that, all that programming gets kicked in there. Where that's mm-hmm. why we don't, we don't really remember much before that, other than these significant little snapshots, you know. And and it's just like, what happened during, like, what was happening? And he's like, well, I know my grandpa was kind of a drinker, and. I know the kids, a lot of the kids were scared of him and it's just like, you know, but we really don't know. And I mean, I guess we could like sit down and ask some of the siblings, but it just seems um, inappropriate with those, that family. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Kelly threw in some more information about the situation with her mom. What she was trying to describe is that because her mom um, in, in her dream, had stopped growing at age 10 when her own mom had passed. In other words, when Kelly's mm-hmm. grandmother had passed, uh, Kelly concludes that was why her own mother didn't really know how to be a mother. Right. Which I can certainly see. That makes some sense. Yeah. It just shows it, how, how confusing this stuff can get, though. <laughs> but I just think it's important. So I think it's important. I think it's important to not go back there and, like, dig that up and hash it all up and, you know, be in the middle of it. But I think it's important to understand those things, like to understand that her mom really didn't know how to be a mom because she lost her mom so young. And so she was just doing the best she could with what she had. And unfortunately, that wasn't mm-hmm. that wasn't very good. But you can come out of that and then you have the free will to decide, am I going to be a yeah. better parent and a better person or am I just going to blame my mom and, you know, wallow around in that my whole life? Yeah, that fits in beautifully with with my own take on on therapy in general, which has been a a, a big point for me for uh, at least the last 21 years with my wife Louise because she's a former therapist. Mm-hmm. And the, the the one thing I was most concerned with, where therapy was concerned, even before I met my wife and since then, was do you get out of therapy? And and mm-hmm. it was one of the reasons why I I love my wife so much because she was a no nonsense therapist. There are a lot of therapists who will let you just keep bringing up the bill. Mm-hmm. You know, she would say, grow or go. I, you know, I, I'm not here to just let you, you know, spill out your guts of, of all this stuff to, just so you can spill out your guts. So the purpose here is to improve. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to improve, I'll work with you. If you're not really willing to improve, go someplace else. Don't waste your mm-hmm. money. Don't waste your time. Don't waste my time. This is crazy. And I like that because ultimately, yeah, sure. It's good to know what 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 transpired, what were the factors, what were the influences that caused X, Y, and Z to happen with ourselves, with our parents, and so on and so forth as we're growing up. But at some point, we got to let go of it. If we don't, like you say, we just keep hanging on to it, we keep replaying it, and then it becomes dominant, uh, dominant vibration in our lives, and that doesn't serve us at all. That actually works against our needs. Right. So to me, the whole thing is, what's it take for us to let go of it? And if that includes um, revisiting it and understanding it, fine, as long as that leads to letting go of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, we're all doing the best we can. Like what I did 10 years ago 
I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I really wasn't doing it very good then, but now I'm doing it better. And in 10 years, I'm going to look and go, wow, 10 years ago, I really, I didn't even know about <laughs> the stuff I know. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like that's one thing that, that I have to think about when I'm having issues with people is they're just doing the best they could in that situation. Even if that was trying to be vindictive or be, you know, lie or whatever, that's what they know at that moment. And that's the best way they could handle that situation. So which is a letting go strategy as far as I'm concerned. Right. That's exactly yeah. what that's for. It's a way of saying, you know what, I'm OK with them making these big mistakes because what the heck? That's mm -hmm. what they knew how to do. They didn't know anything else. You know, they're learning. They're learning since then or they're not or they moved on or whatever. But, you know change happens and with that because uh -oh. like, so many people say well if I, if I forgive someone for their behavior I just does that mean I just keep getting stomped on by them no you can forgive someone but you don't forget what they did you don't keep putting yourself in that path you forgive them because they were doing the best they could mm -hmm. that's all they could do and then the next time that comes around you are you can say no you can say I'm too busy you can say I can't have you in my life anymore. You know, you don't have to be a jerk about it. You can just, you know, they're well, going to yeah. have their, their own experience with that. But anyways, yeah. It's and, and the simple fact is, Kelly put it very nicely in her, her last line. She says, now, I did do the blame game for some years. Well, that's the option. Mm -hmm. We can either get involved in that blame game or we can let it go. And we've all gotten into that trap of blaming, which, of course, just comes right yep. back and haunts us. It doesn't really doesn't do anything to the other person. Isn't that interesting? The blame yeah. doesn't actually touch them. It only touches us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But once That's we come so to realize true. that, oh, yeah. But once we come to realize it, life gets better, which is a good thing. Well, assuming that we let go of it. If we don't let go of it, life gets worse. Yeah. yeah one of the lessons I've been working with lately is, is when something drives me crazy, like just irritates me about another person, that that's really something that irritates me about me. And so that's a really hard pill to swallow because you're just like, oh, they're so annoying. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, right. Am, am I, do I do that? And then when you start digging in a little bit, you're like, ooh, maybe I do. Maybe, I, okay, I got to pay attention to that. You know, <laughs> that's a hard one. That's, that's like the blame game on steroids, I think. <laughs> uh, I'll see Nasha saying hello. So hello, Nasha. Glad you could join us today. And then getting back to the conversation with Kelly, she says, today a friend said she couldn't believe what someone did to her. I said, can you accept that they did? Mm, yeah. That's the challenge, isn't it? And that's well done. Because if the more that her friend can't believe that someone did it to her, guess what's going to happen? The more that they're going to get people doing mm -hmm. things to them. I mean, that's just, <laughs> it's, it's one of those annoying things about the law of attraction. It doesn't just deliver what we want. It also delivers what we focus right. on that we don't want. It's, yeah, it's quite consistent. And yeah. I think that's really the biggest challenge. I mean, if we're, if we come into this life having certain, uh, destiny, as we're calling it laid out, certain, uh, precepts, certain, um, assumptions about how our lives are going to go, fine, but we still have the choice about what we're going to do with it once we get here. Um, if we're going to deal with contrast, fine. Uh, we still have the choice of what we're going to do with it once we start experiencing it. And it, it's really the same thing over and over again. What do you want out of your life? 
Right. I don't care what you, whether you come in with destiny or free will or, you know, the White House is in charge. I don't really care. It doesn't matter which approach you take. The final analysis, mm -hmm. it all comes down to one thing. What do you like? What don't you like? And which one are you going to give your attention to? Yeah. That's the great lesson of the law of attraction. It's the simplest concept in the world, but it, it's great. It, because for the first time, we understand we are in control. We didn't realize it. We didn't realize we were sitting at the steering wheel, but we were. And all we had to mm -hmm. do is decide what we're going to give our attention to. Yeah. All, all. I mean, I make it sound so simple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if it's so simple, why don't you stay focused on what you want? Yeah, that's the problem. But that's what we're all working on. But it's Actually, not. A, but it's really not a problem because because it just creates better opportunities for us to get better at it. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all about exercising that muscle. No doubt about that. And I even announced on the show on Friday, um, David Strickle used to, uh, for a while he was doing the show here with us, um, and he has his, uh, uh, he, he is one of these people who's able to channel, so he's like an Abraham. Um, mm -hmm. He channels a stream of David. And he has his own group on Facebook, and, and he has this program called Tie Boot Camp. And I can't remember for the life of me what TYA stands for. Uh, trust your abundance or something like that. Um, but his boot camp is basically a way of, of just kind of diving in and working that muscle and just learning all the different ways you can learn that muscle. And I announced on Friday, I, I finally committed I was going to take the boot camp. So it was time to take myself to the next oh. level. Yeah. And WG said she was going to do it with me, even though she's already been through it. So that's kind of fun too. But Very cool. I, I, I guess the main, well, I, I announced it for two reasons. One reason was when you announce it on the podcast, well, then you're kind of committed. So you actually have to do it. You can't back out. <laughs> yeah. <there you> go. <laughs> so I've got the first call scheduled to David uh, tonight, actually. And I think the first meeting of, of the boot camp is tonight, too. So it's going to be a busy night. Um, but even more than that, to me, it's a way of recommitting to myself that I want to keep growing. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I see so many people in my life and outside of my life who just don't do that, you know, for whatever reasons, for a variety of reasons. Maybe they just aren't into the, the spiritual stuff that we're into, whatever. But they're not really trying to grow a whole lot. Or maybe the forms of growth they're taking are forms that I would choose, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And I, I just want to keep getting better and stronger and, you know, better at doing this stuff, better at making conscious choices, better, better at focusing my attention and keeping my focus where I want to keep it, but without effort. Because mm -hmm. I think we, we usually do it the first few times we're trying to do it with some effort because we don't know how to do it. Well, the muscle isn't strong yet. Right. But over right. time, we're trying to get to the point where it's just second nature, just kind of easy to do. Yeah. It's a change. It's a change and change is always takes some effort, but, mm -hmm. but even in that change, there should, there definitely has to be some joy there. Oh, God, yes. Otherwise, you'll just go into a negative spiral, no doubt about that. Because I've seen so many people on, you know, different Facebook groups, and they're like, I'm trying to attract a relationship, and I've been trying to do these affirmations, and I've been doing them every night and every morning, and it's just not working. And it's just like, how much fun are you having doing them? Like. Mm. Like, is that fun? Are you looking forward to those visualizations and writing those affirmations? And if you don't, then that's not the path of 
of reprogramming for you. Like we all, you know, some of us would rather just look at pictures. Some of us would like to listen to music. Some of us want to go tour the house or go to, you know, a speed dating thing or, you know, you know what I mean? Like you have to find those things that make you happy. You can't, just because you hear that something worked for somebody, you can't put your nose to the grindstone and decide that's how you're going to do it. And, you know, it's funny that when you said that the phrase that came to my mind was the path of least resistance, which we normally associate with, you know, how we're dealing with other people. But in this case, it's the path to our own least resistance, the, the, the resistance mm -hmm. that we have the least amount of and you know, what, what it takes to let go of our resistance, that path, that's the, the truly desirable path to be on because mm -hmm. that's, that's the abundant life right there. Well, the, that whole Abraham, that for some reason, it's just really, it's really easy for me to picture it, but rowing the boat upstream or letting right. go, putting, exactly. the, putting the oars in the boat and just going downstream. It's like, yeah, but what if there's a, what if there's rapids? What if I get stuck on shore? Yeah. Oh, you're going to get stuck on shore. You're going to hit rapids, but. It's going to be so fun when you're when you're really floating and going and having fun. And every once in a while, you're going to hit a rock and have to patch up your boat. But or you can just stay here and row upstream and see how far you get and struggle and get tired. And you mm -hmm. know. yeah, that that one really resonates for me. I, I got to give kudos to Kelly because she says she's outside gardening. And of course, my wife and I run a gardening business. So well done, Kelly. Way to go. I'll also mention, by the way, I'm not a gardener. I don't know if I've yeah. said that, but I, I really, I don't, I actually don't enjoy gardening. I, the last thing you want to see me do is get out into the yard. I mean, I just, I have the black thumb in the family. Louise has the green thumb. We just leave it like that. You know, I'm, I'm good at running a business, so I do that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a gardener, but I say good on you if you are a gardener. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're grounded. You're dealing constantly with the earth. You're outdoors. You're well, yeah. Well, look what she says. I'm working on healing gardens. Well, yeah. I mean, just working on gardens is healing all by itself, but coming up with a garden that is itself a healing garden, that's even better. That's right. Cool. Yeah. There's so much benefit of, you know, that activity. So I, 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 I can't say I envy gardening because I don't really want to be a gardener, but I appreciate what benefit they get out of it. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I see it in our crew's faces every time I go visit them to give them supplies or something like that. I mean, they're, they're dirty, they're, they're exhausted, you know, they're he breathing heavy and so forth, but their eyes are like on fire because they're so excited about what they're doing. Yeah, my sister-in-law has a huge garden and she's just like, every spring, she's just like, her whole Facebook is just full of garden right. and harvest and, and starts and, you know, baby grapes and flowers. And I'm just like, yep. you go girl. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'll come by and get some fruit every once in a while or <laughs> <laughs> veggies or whatever. But yeah, so I get that. But it's, it's great that Kelly, like when she says, when she said that, well, why do we, why would we choose abusive parents? Look at mm. how great she's doing. Look how yeah. great she's done. You know, it's like that. I mean, I don't think that you need abusive parents to get into that um, that mode or whatever of life, but our souls look at, okay, what lessons do I want to learn? How do I want to expand this to be better? And that's how they choose. That's what I believe. I love this. 
she apparently lives on the flight path to her local airport. She says, I just made a flamingo-shaped garden for the airplanes that fly over. So they can see this flamingo in her garden oh as they're God, flying over. That's great. That. Have, you seen, <laughs> have you seen that guy? And he lives in, like, Chicago or something. And he lives right in the flight path. And he he has, like, a big building in the city or whatever. And he wrote, welcome to Philadelphia or something like that. <laughs> On the on the roof where people were flying in, just a mess of the head. Joke, yeah. I, was just, I don't remember where I saw that, but I was just like, "Oh, that is so good. That is so funny." Because <laughs> you could just picture people like waking up, like, "Okay, I the flight's almost over." Then looking down, "Welcome to Philadelphia." Wait. <laughs> 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 I'm sure that the the flight crew is used to all of that, but that's. I just think that's hilarious when she said that about the flamingo. That's what it reminded me of. Oh, she said she's outside an Air Force base. That explains it. Yeah, well, now yeah. She, instead of doing it for a commercial flight, she's actually messing with the heads of people in the military. So, okay, good. Dean, Dean yeah. would appreciate that, I think. I <laughs> think he'd like that sense of humor. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I don't, I don't know. Have we addressed the question sufficiently? Have we actually answered... <laughs> We talked, a, we talked a lot about it. I don't know if we answered it. I think, <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's just a combination. There's no black or white with that. Yeah, I think that's true. There is no black or white there because it's all grays. It's all gray areas. And I think there's actually a little bit of a, a I don't know, a lesson, I guess you could call it. Um, the fact that there are gray areas and that we still make our selections within those gray areas basically means that our selections are indicating what not just our preferences are, but what kind of life we want. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not one that would be, you know, one that you would pick just by sitting down and consciously thinking it out. Oh, it would be great if I had this. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, there, you know, we are all selecting whether I don't care if you call it subconsciously or if you call it just, you know, old thought patterns that you've allowed to continue, however you want to look at it. We're creating our lives through these choices that we made. And in doing so, we are creating the destiny. We are creating those situations. So I think it's probably the hardest part about being a conscious creator is coming to terms with that. On the other hand, I think it's the greatest opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because really what we're saying is, okay, that's where I came from. Where, where do I want to go from here? That's my starting point. Where's my next stop point? Where's my next milestone? Yeah. That's really what it comes out. Oh, and Kelly wants us to uh, push her her page. She says she has a page called I Save My Life, Not My Boobs. So absolutely. We'll check, oh. check that one out. Is that, I'm assuming that's Facebook. I think it is. Facebook page, Kelly? Give us, yeah. Well, she's on Facebook, so I'm, I'm imagining it's a Facebook page. She's coming to us through a Facebook page or a Facebook group right now. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. And good for you for turning it into something that other people can benefit from. It's yeah. not an easy thing to do. So good for you. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking also the contrast, or not the contrast, but the destiny versus free will thing. Well, I guess that is contrast. But the destiny versus free will question also has sort of an adjunct with it, doesn't it? In that when we set ourselves up, for the idea of destiny or set ourselves up for the idea of free will, we're setting a parameter. We're setting a a boundary, if you will. And we're defining ourselves from that. 
whichever side you're taking, it doesn't really matter. We're still defining ourselves based on that. Right. Like if you're picking destiny and you're just set on that, you're just going to go with what happens because that's your destiny. If you're if you're going with, you know, manifesting or free will, you're going with, hey, this is what's happening to me right now. But I can get what's over there if I change what's happening right now. So, so I guess the point yeah. is it becomes an option. Am I going to go default or am I going to go conscious creation? Which way do I want to go? Mm-hmm. And and there's nothing wrong with either one. They're both right. legitimate choices. But I think that's what what the whole discussion actually outlines. We when we're when we're saying that that life is mainly our destiny, we're basically choosing the default path. When we're saying that my life is basically uh, dependent upon my free will, we're choosing the conscious creation path. And when we're choosing something in the middle, well, we're somewhere in the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. But really, that's what it is. It's how much time are we going to give to, uh, oh, my goodness, look at this. She said, um, I I had triple negative breast cancer, stage three, BC with 27 nodes removed, three positives. And they gave me five years, but I'm going on year 13. Well nice. Done. Well done. Nice. Oh, my goodness. Talk about climbing out of adversity and turning it into a positive. You ought to write a book on pivoting, Kelly. You're good at it. Yeah, you are. Man, no kidding. Wow. Hmm. So yeah, there's somebody, there, there's somebody who definitely didn't buy into the destiny of cancer at all. Right. Right. Yeah, and took that five years and turned it into a challenge. Like absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say when I'm doing tarot readings, so I I typically do a seven card reading, and it includes the past, present, and future. Uh huh. And then it includes a lesson, blocks, challenge and a summation card. So when I I always start with the past, present, and future, and then, you know, I always back it up with that future can change if you use the lesson, learn from the blocks, and take on the challenge. Because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, that's what my future is. So, you know, and it's like, no, there's lessons and challenges and blocks here that are happening in your life. And if you pay attention to those and work them, you can change that future if that's not what you want, you know. I mean, the future, the future in the reading isn't always like bad, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, like, if there's something coming up and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to lose my job or I don't want to, you know, break up with that person or whatever. It's like, well, there's these other things that you can do, or you can just sit and wait for it, you know. And both Abraham and the stream, in their different ways, make it clear that they don't read the future. They don't right. do that, you know, um, probably because they really don't want to impose any of their choices for us. They want us to go with our choices. Um, but partly because the future changes. I mm-hmm. mean, it changes moment by moment. And I don't mean that it changes in the sense that it, every moment is different from the previous moment. I mean, the possibilities change. They're all possibilities in the future. None of them are, are necessarily going to be set in stone. Any of them can play out, and it's entirely dependent on what we choose to focus our attention on. Now, if we choose to focus our attention on our destiny, well, then, yeah, it's going to be pretty well mapped out. But if we choose to focus our attention on other stuff that we choose instead, we're going to get more of what we choose instead. So, again, it comes down to what are we choosing to focus our attention on? 
Yeah, as usual. For sure. As usual. <laughs> we keep coming back to that same thing. Yeah, over when, and is over that, and over again. when is that going to change? When are yeah, we going right. to? When are we going to get a new thing to? Talk a new about? thing. <laughs> it's funny because I, I raised the point last week a couple times about how astrophysicists have been uh, challenged about their their understanding of the law of gravity uh, because they. You know, when, when they're studying what happens with galaxies and, and uh, you know, pulsars and dwarf stars and all this other kind of stuff, they're, they're doing it through um, microscopes, not microscopes, but telescopes that are able to take data, not microscopes, yeah, telescopes that are able to take data, and then they take that data and they draw inferences from them and they start piecing together what's, go what's going on out there in the cosmos. Mm -hmm. um, but they're working from a very limited data set. And in that data set, even with the limitations there, they, they apply what they know. They apply the law of gravity, among other things. And, right. and to their consternation, they're finding that what the law of gravity predicts is going to happen with these different celestial bodies relationship to each other doesn't actually play out. In other words, uh, the, the, the article that I saw, it was at a website called LiveScience.com. The article described how galaxies spin faster than what scientists predict they should be able to spin at based on what their relative gravitational fields are compared to each other or, um, or, or things fly apart faster than they should, or, um, objects come together faster than they should. I mean, there's like the whole the cosmic speed limit is constantly being violated <laughs> and they don't have a good solution for it. Um, they've even come up with, I think they call it the, uh, modified law of, uh, law of gravity. But the modified law of gravity doesn't work either. Well, the thing is, is it's a modified law of everything. Yeah. So that's what makes this this whole concept of law of attraction so fascinating, because as both Abraham and the stream have said, it's the one law that truly applies everywhere in the universe at all times, mm -hmm. even more so than gravity. Oh, yeah. Which is really kind of wild. <laughs> So I think that's why we keep coming back to it. That's why we keep talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the law of gravity for me is like pure science and the law of the real laws of the universe of like law of attraction and law of prosperity and law, you know, all of that. That's, that's universal. Mm -hmm. the, the law of gravity isn't universal. It's just, well, it's, it's literally a local law. It, yeah, it's, it's galaxy. It, 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 it's a, well, it's, it's even more local than that. It's, it's usually applicable to uh, objects that are moving relatively slowly compared to each other. When they start speeding up compared to each other, the law of gravity starts to fall apart. It doesn't work so well in terms of being able to, able to predict what's going to happen next. Um, that's one of the things that the astrophysicists are trying to come to terms with. Whereas law of attraction works at all times. Vibration always works the mm -hmm. way vibration is expected to work. So I'm looking forward to the day when pure science actually starts adopting some of these ideas about vibration that we talked about. I see Todd saying hello. Hello, Todd. Thank you for dropping by. And Kelly's saying thank you for this live, live session. It was wonderful having, uh, it was wonderful. So have a beautiful day. So, and thank you, Kelly, for all your uh, yeah. input. You gave us some really good stuff. That was great. Really, really good. By the way, I want to encourage other people, um, including those who can't uh, listen or watch on the live stream, because 
know, overwhelmingly, most people who are listening to this are listening to the recording after the fact. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly great. But it does kind of make you think like, well, I can't really be a part of the conversation. Well, you can actually. <laughs> it, it, there's a little bit of a tape delay going on, but but it can be done. And that's why we created the Elevate Today app, for instance. You know, it gives you a couple forms in there where you can actually send in a question, send in a comment and have it be included in an upcoming episode. In fact, there have many times, Shelley, been episodes where we did the entire episode based on a single email that we sent in. Mm-hmm. The email was, was just so um, engaging. It was just, it was just so, you know, uh, getting right to the core of things that we just kept talking and talking about it for the whole thing. Oh, listen to this Todd show. Todd something. He says, I've been listening to this book talking about all of this quantum entanglement stuff. I can share the book here. Oh, yeah. I've been listening to an audible, so it's very similar to what you're speaking about. Cool. I like Interesting. that. Yeah, um, we're running out of time for this particular show. We only have about uh, two or three minutes left, but uh, you know, we're on here five days a week, and Shelly's on here with me every Tuesday. So you know, join us, and and uh, next time that uh, Shelly's on, tell us more about the book so we can talk about some more. He says, "I'm oh, what does he say here? I'm listening to Code Name God by Mani Bahamik. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that. Narrated by Stefan Rudnicki, Ben Kingsley." I'm his audible app. Very cool. All right. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Cool. Quantum entanglement. That's yeah. Well, we could do a whole show on that one too. That's one of those really crazy things. That that's science trying to make sense out of vibration. That's what that really is. Mm-hmm. And it's as far as they've gotten with it. And what, how far they've gotten has been pretty cool. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that that's how far they've got. <laughs> well, the whole. Hey, hey. The whole- the whole gravity thing, it just sounds like they're trying to apply what we know about gravity in our galaxy to what's going on in other um, galaxies or storms or planets oh, or whatever. And it's just well, that, not going to happen because we're in our own, like, vortex or whatever here. We can't, you can't apply that everywhere. Yeah, I agree with you, but they haven't come to that the viewpoint yet. They're, they're, they're still kind of locked Jeez, into... Can't they, if they just talk to us, we can tell <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> I don't think the problem is talking to us. I think the problem is listening to us. I think they, they just... Oh, oh okay, okay. Yeah, that's what the problem is. <laughs> They'll come around eventually. We know oh, okay, that. It's, okay. it's just a matter of time, which is an illusion anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this has been fun. Thank you very much for yes. spending your time with us, Shelly. We really appreciate that. We'll look yeah, forward to having, for having me. We'll look forward to having Dean join us again next week when two will be on three once again. But this has been good. This has been really good. And you, you kind of have reaffirmed for everybody why it was that you were on the show in the first place and how good it is to have you back a second time. Oh, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. Well, you have a lot to contribute, and it's really a good thing. So thank you very good. much. Thank you all to uh, also to the people in the live stream who are sharing, particularly to Kelly with all the wonderful stuff she was sharing there. Thank you to all of our live streamers, without whom we wouldn't have a podcast. And I also want to uh, remind people that uh, Jackie Gates joined uh, Cindy Chavez and me on, on Wednesdays. Wednesdays is becoming quite the show to watch. The vibe there is explosive. Um, if you haven't listened to Jackie's take on acting as if you want to do that, so check it out. And with that, we'll say we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.